so we want to see that happen, so we give people their shots, and uh, today we have Deborah. We love her. We love that she's a part of our congregation. She's an intercessor, and we're so happy to have her, so let's just pray for her. Lord, thank you for Deborah. Lord, just give her your peace now, and just, Lord, we're, we're listening to hear what you're having to say through her. So, Lord, take over and just speak through Deborah now. In Jesus' name, we bless her and we receive her in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so now you know who I am. About a month ago, um, I had this revelation. And it was one of those kind of revelations that, oh, my gosh, Lord, why are you showing me this now? I mean, he was taking me back to something that occurred when I was in my 20s. And I'm, fast forward, well, at a few years, over 50, but anyhow, but I said, why are you taking me there? And it was an aha moment. And there was another situation where my mother was getting ready to go home. She was dying of cancer, and I'm getting ready to go to Pennsylvania to spend a month with her. And as I'm walking to my front door, I get another aha moment. And he told me something about her, and I said, huh, Lord, why are you telling me this now? She's getting ready to leave the earth, and you are sharing this with me. It didn't make sense. But in that situation, the thing that he showed me enabled me to go to Pennsylvania and love on her. You know, we come from different backgrounds, and some nationalities might have a little more tweak of something. And we, I'm Italian, and we had a little more control maybe than some people have in their families. And that was one of the things that the Lord showed me was some of the control that my mother had over me. And I said, hmm. But what had happened when he gave me that aha moment, I go to Pennsylvania, and the control that she had over me was gone. It was amazing. And so I was actually able to love on her for the first time in my life because she was a very independent woman and she did not allow people to um, help her. But I, I got to do that. So now I have this aha moment. And so the Lord takes me back to my early 20s. So I've been pondering a statement that Rick Joyner has said, and I've heard it many times but only in the last week I began to actually pay attention to this word. And I said, huh. I said, Lord, um, Rick would say, if you've got off track somewhere, you have to go back to where you got off track and get back on track and then go forward. And so I was up till 3 o'clock in the morning. I rewrote what I was going to share on. I put it in my speakerphone. I'm not going to go over 10 minutes because if anybody knows me, they know that I'm long-winded. And so, but the Holy Spirit tweaked it up this morning. I said, so what's the point of this defining moment? When God gets ready to do a change, sometimes he gives you the next bump that actually takes you to the promise that you couldn't get there on your own. So now, I have this moment where I lost something in my early 20s. I actually, um, my environment wasn't safe. It was safe physically, but it wasn't safe emotionally. 
And I made a decision. I did something. I, I reacted to this environment, and I went, what I call, I went underground. And I hid, and I put up all these walls. But there was a part of me that went underground that I never recovered. And so here you are, going along life, had a great childhood, and I was childlike and had lots of fun. But whatever it was that I now withdrew and hid, stayed there, did never come back out again. So I said, why are you showing me this? So fast forward 20-some years, almost 25 years later, and the Lord says to me, I'm now going in my closet door to pick out, to get my vacuum cleaner out of my closet. And if you've ever experienced the word of the Lord dropping on you, um, this was one of those encounters. I heard the word of the Lord. It's something that happened within, and this is what he said. You have to stop looking back. Because what I want to give you, I can't give you until you stop looking back. And I thought, why are you telling me this? I have been through counseling. I have been in 12-step programs. I've had professional counseling. I've been through some stuff, and I have really forgiven. I have moved on. I thought I had cleaned up the whole deal. And I did most of it. But when he said those words to me, what I actually saw, if you understand how I share, I see depth when I, I see depth, I see distance. I, if you look at an object, I can tell you it's two or three inches if I have a dream. Well, I'm that way emotionally too. And so I looked inside and there was this membrane. And I said, oh, I had done all this work, but there was this membrane that was still hanging around. But when the word of the Lord came, that membrane broke. And, and what the Lord wanted to give me was something with my husband that I had to stop looking back because he had something with him, a promise, life, that he wanted to give me. And so he gives me that understanding, and it was good. Well, now, most of you know, Michael went home to be with the Lord about 20 months ago. And um, early on... After he um, went home, the Lord speaks to me again, and he says, do you want to stay in Egypt? I said, hmm. So I said, no, I don't want to stay in Egypt. But sometimes the Lord has a way of saying words to you, but the understanding is different than the words he actually said. And what he was saying was, he wasn't saying, do you want to stay in Egypt? What he was saying to me, the understanding was, there's a promised land ahead of you. Do you want to go there? And if you want to go there, you have to stop looking back. And so until this morning, I thought my looking back was this grieving process. I need to get through the grieving process, get on the other side, stop the mourning, and move on. I came to realize this morning, I said, oh, maybe that's not what it is at all. Maybe what it really is, is what happened to me 20 years ago. And now he's saying, there's something that happened then. You've plowed through so much, you've not recovered it yet. But it's time to recover it. Because you see, when, I, when the Lord gave me that little revelation about my mom, she was on her way out. But it enabled me to now love her freely. So the other part, so I have... I forgot where I was going. But I have these 
moments where that membrane occurred. I had worked through so much, but I just needed that membrane to, to get there. I believe I'm coming into a new promised land because why would he take me back to something that happened 20 years ago that I lost and never recovered? There was a fork in the road. And so now the Rick is saying, you have to go back to the fork in the road. So, so he tells me in this encounter in the closet, vacuum cleaner thing, don't look back. He tells me recently after Michael goes home, I can't give you what I want to give you unless you don't look back. And now he's taking me back and I need to look back. So what's the deal? Why? What's the grid there? When he tells you to go back, not you going back. When he tells you to go back, now and it's for the p purpose of recovering something, then, then you need to go back and say, okay, there was something that died then. And so my whole, in that little encounter a month ago, was a defining moment in my life. I had a defining moment then that I never even knew what in the world a defining moment was. So I want to read to you. I went and looked it up. Didn't follow any of my notes. But I want to read to you what it says, what a defining moment is in your life. And this is from Forbes' definition. I don't know how credible they are, but this is a personal defining moment, okay? This is not just any defining moment. And he says, a defining moment is a point in your life when you were urged to make a pivotal decision or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. Not only do these moments define us, but they have a transformative effect on our perceptions and behaviors. So what I used to think, I used to go and think, oh, there was the before Deborah, before I get married, and then there's this after Deborah. There's this before person, and now this, this after one. I'm in another defining moment, but there's a difference between this defining moment and that one. That one, I lost something. I lost something of myself that I never recovered yet. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I think I know what it is. But now I'm in this grieving process, but I, it's not a defining moment. I'm not losing anything. There's no parts of me that have been lost in it. Now, my soul has been a little fragmented. My, my soulmate is gone. And I look inside and I see these, um, I've, I've, goodness, I didn't know there was such a thing that people can be emotionally fragmented. And so here I am, I said, oh, I look inside and I see I'm fragmented. Now, how do you look inside and see that? That's revelation that God has to enlighten you on. So now I'm seeing, if you could put your emotions here and then there's pieces over here that are sprawled out, that's what I felt like, that my emotions were like, Ugh. and And now it's like, Lord, I, I can't reel all these pieces in. But I didn't lose it. I didn't lose something in this process because I'm going forward with him. And it's now up to him to bring the complete healing in that place, which he is doing. And it's amazing because you recalibrate. Every two or three days, I'm recalibrating. For 20 months, I've been recalibrating. I'm becoming a, a new person that somehow... When that peace was lost in my early 20s, I think what I lost was the child. 
you know, you go along life and life is fine, but then there's a moment where all of a sudden, whether you're, however old you are, you realize something changed. For my husband, he had a defining moment. His mother died when he was six. That defined him the rest of his life. And, and then on his deathbed, he tells Jonathan and his sister, I don't want to be mad at God anymore be for taking my parents. So he never believed he could overcome that. But then at that moment, he made a choice, and he was no longer going to be angry at God. Well, his anger at God, you know, affected a lot of things. And so his occurred at six years old. So, so why do I share this? I believe that there's things in our lives that life was fine, and all of a sudden there was a bump in a road that changed you. And, and you could have lost something that the Lord now wants to restore to you. And I'm in a restoration season. See, when your spouse dies, I can't blame anything that it was Michael's fault. <laughs> I said, oh, he did that. <laughs> and, then I, and sometimes I would hide behind him. I'd say, well, I don't want to do that. So I knew Michael was going to say no, so I'd be hide behind him and say, well, I know he's going to say no. My husband said, no, I can't do that. And I would hide behind him. Well, now there's nobody else to hide behind. And the things that, that I realized that I used to blame on him was probably I did it anyway. <laughs> so, so now I'm in a restoration process of the identity of saying, okay, Lord, you want to restore something. And you have to understand, I came to the Lord when I got married, six months after I get married, I come to the Lord. And that in and of itself is a defining moment. But because of my husband's anger at God, which I didn't understand, he took it out on me. And when I came to the Lord, man, he hated it. And the enemy hated it. I felt like I was being machine gunned every day for years. And I had to overcome and forgive and forgive and forgive. And I forgave and forgave and forgave because the Bible said to. But little did I know that the Lord wanted to bring a healing. That if you don't, forgiveness is the first step, but his healing to heal those wounds is the process. And so I say that because the Lord wants to bring us into a promise. There's different ways of getting there. There's all different things that he wants to recover in our lives. And um, I'm excited for this resurrection day. What better day to celebrate a resurrection? Because he wants to resurrect us from the past in such a degree that um, we don't live there anymore. I didn't even think I was, was meditating on the past when I had the closet door encounter. I said, wow, I didn't think I was looking back, but apparently I was. So, where do I say all that? I don't know. <laughs> do you have a, is there a moment in your life where, that it's defined you so much that you can't move on to the promises that he has for you? And these are not peripheral promises. These are not material things. 
These, this is life within you. I began to meditate on this. I'm going to leave you with this. I began to meditate on Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Well, I met Jesus. I know him as the way. I've had a certain amount of truth over the years. I understand truth. But I've also believed some lies, too. And so what are the lies that I have also believed that's preventing me from coming into the life? Now, one small group meeting we had, some ladies came over, and we were cooking. And all of a sudden, man, there was life. I said, wow. I said, I want this. I want this all the time. I think that was the pinpoint of the discovery of what the life is supposed to look like that I lost in my 20s that he wants to cover. My son's telling me I got 10 minutes. I'll wrap it up. You Children can be faithful to you to tell you things. And so what are some of the things that the Lord wants you to recover that, that, to, that him enlighten you into the defining moment. And why am I sharing that? Because I didn't even know I had one. I didn't even know it defined me. And I had to go look it up to see what it says. So in closing, I'm going to read two scriptures that, that bring me a lot of hope, actually. You know, one of my favorite scriptures was that we are his workmanship. When I found out it was his responsibility to take me where I needed to go, it really set me free from a lot of striving set me free from a lot of moments of when I failed him. And I realized, I said, Lord, thank you that I'm your workmanship. Well, let me find the scriptures, and I'm going to close with that if I can find it. Maybe I deleted it. <laughs> I guess I did. Oh, well. They're in there. They're in there. He has life for us. And, um, you know, and I get to share my journey with all of you, especially if you're in my home group. And um, one of the things is true, he's faithful. And if there's a defining moment in your life that you need to go back to where you've made a wrong turn or left something off that you shouldn't have let go of, let him take you back there so you can pick it up and move forward in what he has for you. Hey, good morning, everybody. Awesome. Thank you, Deborah. Deborah, can you come back up? I think we're supposed to do something. Um, <laughs> no, that was a good word. No, um, I feel like the the Lord, while, while Deborah was speaking, I feel like the Lord wants to do some stuff, um, targeting specifically what she's been she was she was sharing, um, and if it, if you guys were feeling like the Lord was speaking to you in any way while Deborah was speaking, why don't you go ahead and just stand up? All right, two. I saw. I kind of felt two things that he wanted to do. The first thing is the forgetting what is behind. Okay. And you guys know the scripture in Philippians, right? 
Forgetting what is behind, I press forward, take hold of that which he took hold of me. So there are things in your life, there have been defining moments in your life where the enemy has come in and he's trying to sabotage your calling and your purpose. And the Lord wants to redeem that situation. He wants you to be able to forget about it and to move on. He doesn't want it to plague your thoughts anymore. He doesn't want to define your life anymore. There are failures. There are incidents, accidents in your life that the Lord wants to redeem. And um, I just feel like what, what Deborah was sharing this morning was even what you were sharing about Michael. But I don't want to be, I don't want to be ups, mad at my parents or mad at God anymore because I feel like there's a, this is an opportunity for you to not be, be mad at God anymore. And you might be like, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not mad at God. You still can be mad at God. I've been mad at God many times, <laughs> yelling at God. Guess what? He can handle it, first off. He's not insecure. When my kids, when they get mad at me, you know what I mean? I don't like it. Oh, no, what am I going to do? They're, getting, they're upset with me. No. <laughs> How much more is our Father in heaven? But he wants us to get past that, that defining moment, that it's no longer a defining moment for sabotaging what God has for your life, but it's a defining moment that he wants to redeem that situation, and he wants to propel you into who you were called to be and what you were called to do. Is that all right? Is anybody feeling that as Deborah was speaking this morning? If that's you, just kind of wave at me. I'm going to have Deborah pray for you. And, um, and there's, a, there's two things. One thing I think is that this, the second thing is, um, well, let's just do that one first. You got something? When she prays, I just want to say this. I, there are numerous times, and if you're a human, you're going to experience this, where you have trauma that takes place in your soul from something that happens. It's called trauma. You may not even think it's trauma until later on you realize, wow, something hit me and it caused me to get stuck in something. It can be. There's a spirit of fear. I, I saw that over there, and I didn't realize what was going on until just now. But some of you, a spirit of fear came into your life because of trauma. Anytime you go through trauma, there's an easy fix for it. And it's easy. It's not complicated. And this is what I do when I go through trauma. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be, I mean, me and Peter were in a wreck going down the road together. And I didn't even realize it, but I started having trauma. You know how I know? Because every time I had to s slow down in my car faster than normal, there's this reaction that came up inside of me that I start looking in the rearview mirror thinking something's about to happen. That's trauma. That's something that happened that caused me to interpret today through yesterday. You see what I'm saying? When anything where you begin to interpret today through pain of yesterday, that's trauma. And so even in that little simple thing, I said, Lord, you're my healer. I, am, I realize that my soul, not my spirit, but my soul man, my mind, will, and emotions has experienced a trauma. I'm inviting you into my soul, into my hurt, into my pain, 
and I'm asking that you heal it, Lord. Lord, come and heal this trauma. Remove the fear. Remove the anxiety. Remove every sticking point, Lord, in my heart. And I just invite the Lord in. And when I do that, you know what? It doesn't stick around long. Why? Because Jesus is a healer. When we invite him into our trauma, he comes. But Jesus stands at the door knocking. He's not going to force himself on anybody. He's a gentleman in this age. And so we have to invite him into that. So I'm going to let Deborah lead us through that. But I just want to encourage you. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be some huge thing. But there is a spirit of fear that's going to get broken off in some people's lives today as you acknowledge this and you invite the Lord in. A spirit of fear is a real demon. It, it looks for open doors in our lives through trauma to attach itself. That's why the scripture says don't give Satan a foothold. We can give him footholds. And sometimes it's nothing that we're doing wrong. It's just things that have happened that we haven't invited Jesus, the healer, into our soul to fix. Does that make sense? So let's just take a moment and... um Identify your defining moment. Look at it. As a result of looking at it, what were you before it happened? And what did you become after it happened? And let him reveal to you and bring to your mind and your heart what it looked like. And in your inner man at times, did you say to yourself, before this, there was this, now it's that. It's different. It's not, it's, it's not what it was. That's what created the defining moment. Some defining moments steal from us, but there are defining moments that make us. But the one he was focusing on was the one that stole from me. And so, Father, um, as you are pouring out your spirit on your children right now, and as you are bringing to their remembrance that incident that happened to them, that they, first of all, didn't think they could recover from it, First of all, there's unbelief. You don't believe you can get past it. Michael never believed he could be healed. The Lord wants to say to you, yes, you can. Begin to believe that I can heal you inwardly beyond your imagination. And so, Father, as you have, as they have identified the most pivotal thing, and sometimes there may be more than one, My husband not only lost his mother at six, but he lost his father at 17. And so, and sometimes there's a path where the enemy has just come at you and stolen and stolen and stolen. And then now you've come out on the other side, not where the Lord wants you. So, Father, as you bring this, I I ask, Father, that begin the washing of your spirit over their minds right now, over their soul. And if there's any forgiveness, let the forgiveness come. But, Lord, if they have forgiven, which I did, but they now need you to heal that, 
There's two parts to the process. You forgive, and then he has to heal your wound. And so, Father, now go into the deep recesses of their soul and begin to bring the healing and the washing of your blood over them that makes them whole. And, Father, in the days ahead, begin to change how you see them and show them your perspective of what really took place because I feel like I need new eyes. I'm praying for you the same thing I'm praying for myself. I need new eyes to see how the Lord saw that so he can fully redeem it and bring the joy that he really wants to bring. And so, Father, begin in, these, in this moment and in the future. Begin to take us through the journey of complete restoration of that thing that you want to take us to and begin to water us with your heart. And Father, where it has stolen your love to us, because I remember saying to the Lord told me one time, he said, you have interpreted waiting on me as rejection, but that is not the truth. Even promises he has for you. And so Father, um, Begin to reveal your perspective and begin to pour in your love in those areas, in your healing, in your life that you have designed for your children to walk in and restore their hope. All right, so just right now, I'm going to just, I'm going to pray this with me, okay? Lord Jesus, you are my healer. I invite you in to my pain, to my trauma, and I ask that you heal it. I will not hold on to this as you heal me. And so thank you, Lord, for being the healer of my soul right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. It's that simple. <laughs> it's that simple. Come heal me, Lord. <laughs> oh, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. He doesn't leave you in your pain. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, you're free to do whatever you want to do to heal every heart, to touch every soul. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just keep receiving that. You know, just, so, just, just for, you know, there have been a few things in my life that, you know, I asked the Lord into it. I know he begins to work on it, begins to heal it. The enemy sometimes will try to bring it back up at different times, and I just take it back to Jesus. You know, sometimes you, you do have, sometimes we have to take stuff back to him daily for a season. But I can promise you that's just a process of having your soul restored. You know, our spirit man's perfect. Psalms 23 is, talks about how the Lord is my shepherd. Think about that. God is your shepherd. The Lord, Jesus, is your shepherd. I shall not want why shall, not, why shall I not want? He provides everything I need. He leadeth me beside still waters. 
Be still and know that I am God. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I don't do it. He does it. Invite him in. <laughs> keep doing it. You may have something that you, you want to keep inviting him into, and that's okay. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's instantaneously. But the, the, but the reality is, is that he is the healer, and he, will heal, he is healing you, and he has healed you. Just believe it. Keep inviting him in. Amen? Um, recently, I, I had to play a new playlist because um, I, I'm a worshiper and I worship all through the process. And so I need a new playlist because worship is my trigger. And so sometimes worship will take me into mourning. And so, but I had a new playlist. And one of the songs that's on this playlist is, I'm going to be a good receiver. I'm going to be a good receiver. So in the course of my life with the Lord, I can remember when my receiver was broke. And I used to think of myself as having this antenna sticking out of my head, not like a Martian, but, you know, I have this antenna. But I knew it was like this. I knew it was bent, and I wasn't able to receive. And then years passed, and now my antenna now is straight. But I don't think it was quite working. It wasn't receiving, but it was at least straight. It wasn't crooked anymore. And so then the other day I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to sit in my chair. I'm going to posture myself, and I'm going to put my hands out like this, and I'm going to receive. And so I had started to believe. I have started to believe that I am who he says I am. And then I began to put my hands out and posture myself to receive. And so sometimes when that happens, man, this little flood comes on you. On See that southern draw? <laughs> I'm a northern girl. And, and I just received. So now, some of you have been set free. Invite the Holy Spirit in to come into that place that you've just been freed from. And begin a new receiving of the love and the presence of the Lord that you were never able to receive before that he can give you now. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to shift gears here. Um, we don't do this very much. We, we, uh, we're going to take communion today. And um, actually, let me move this stuff out of the way. And um, I just want to share something. The Lord kind of dropped a little nugget while I was spending time with him earlier this week. And uh, this is Deuteronomy 16, uh, verse 3. It says, Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days your life may, you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Actually, I need this. <laughs> so, real quick, and we'll, we'll do a communion here in a second. Um, this is, he's describing, Moses here is describing the Passover. He's recounting to the Israelites before they enter into to the promised land how to partake of Passover. 
Now you all know, y'all, man. It's you guys are. The South is changing me. <laughs> y'all know. <laughs> Been hanging out with him too much. Y'all know that Christ Jesus is our Passover lamb, right? According to 1 Corinthians. And obviously Passover, man, we could go so deep in Passover to describe and to reveal Jesus in his plan that he set up even before the creation of the world. You know, Passover wasn't this kind of arbitrary, accidental kind of ritual that, that the Lord set up when they left Egypt, it was all pointing to the cross, all of it. And uh, I've been slowly going through the Old Testament, probably the past year, just slowly chewing on stuff. And I've been asking like the Lord, Lord, show me you in this. Show me you, Jesus. Actually, I'm asking Holy Spirit, show me Jesus in this because Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal, reveal Jesus. He will show us who Jesus is. So as I've been, been reading through this, like something really stuck, stood out to me. And I, I want to kind of address that. And I, and I want to like make this practical to us this morning. Because sometimes, let's be honest, one of the reasons why I think we don't do communion like every Sunday. I was in a church growing up. We did communion every, every, every Sunday. And um, it just became the kind of a ritual. And I'll be honest, when I was a little kid, when I first took communion, and like I didn't really understand what I was doing, you know, I was like, "Oh, cool! I get to do what the big, what the grown-ups get to do, right?" But really, the the understanding of it, we can make this practical, and I, I think that that we need to be intentional about not allowing this to be just a ritual that we do because Jesus told us to do it, or just because that's what you do at church. But in verse 3 in Deuteronomy 16, it says, Do not eat the bread made with yeast. I want to just break this down a little bit. So what does yeast have to do with anything? This is pointing. Remember, a lot of this is symbolic. It's pointing to Jesus. So yeast in the Bible, in this particular situation, yeast symbolizes sin. And so... The Father's telling, you know, Israel, hey, when you partake of the Passover lamb, when you're eating of the Passover lamb, you're eating the lamb. And when you you eat bread, make sure there's no yeast in it because this is going to symbolize your life post-cross, okay? That you are going to be completely freed of sin. That is not going to control you anymore. It's not you're not going to be a slave to it anymore. That all your sins are going to be forgiven and removed from you, and that's why, you know, today, sometimes we do this, but today I specifically ask that we do uh, the matzah. Okay, everybody know what matzah is? It's unleavened bread, right? So this is what the Jewish people they eat this during Passover, which is also the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it symbolizes the body, right? The body of Christ. This is my body, broken, given to you. 
And if you guys notice, there's little holes all over the matzah bread. You see it? Some of you guys see it? He was pierced for our transgressions, right? And you guys see these like little brown stripes? I don't know if you guys can see it. You can see it more on some of these other breads. By his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. There isn't an accident. This isn't an accident. You know, the, the crazy thing is like, the Jewish people, they partake of this every single year during Passover, and they are literally right in front of their face are partaking of the symbol of Jesus' body. And so when we do that today, I, I invite you guys to, to remember right here. He calls it this funny name. He says the bread of affliction. There's another scripture that talks about affliction in Jesus. You guys got your, your Bibles. You can turn this real quick. We're going to shift. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I said we would. We're going to turn to 50, uh, Isaiah 53, 4. So why the bread of affliction? All right. Isaiah 53. This is verse 4. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was afflicted for us. And so when we partake of, of the bread, when we partake of his body, let's remember that he was afflicted for us and that by his stripes we have been healed. You know, I've heard multiple testimonies of people take, partaking of communion and being physically healed while they're doing it. Now, I don't think there's anything magic necessarily about the bread. I'm not Catholic here. I'm not saying there's, you know. But it's the faith of partaking of Jesus' body, his life, that spiritually something supernaturally can take place and heal you. Does that make sense? It is not, I'm not saying that this is becoming his fit, literal body. I'm not Catholic, okay? We're not Catholic. We're not saying that. But we're saying by the power of the Holy Spirit and us partaking of, by faith, the body of Jesus, that you can be healed. Does that make sense? All right. And then we also take partake of the, the wine, obviously, which which symbolizes the blood of Jesus, the blood of this new covenant that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. And that we can partake of this together. And I, I just really feel like there's one more piece. Okay. And we read on, this is back in Deuteronomy 6. And so that all the, my days of my life, for all the days of your life, you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. What did Jesus say at the Last Supper to his disciples when he was breaking the bread and he was handing the cup of wine? Do you guys remember? Do this in remembrance of me. Remember the time of your departure from Egypt. So when you take, partake of the, the bread this morning and the wine or grape juice for us, 
Let's remember, let's remember your departure from Egypt. Obviously, that's a symbol of your departure from sin, from death, because he rose from the dead, right? You are now in him. He is now in you. Let's remember it, okay? And now we're just going to pray. And um, so maybe we could set it up like this. Maybe we should pull it over. And what we'll do is maybe just walk kind of through this aisle here and we'll maybe put it in the middle. So I know this isn't new, but I just want to make sure that you guys, that we, we are doing this in remembrance of him, and this isn't some kind of ritual thing. And I am I am praying that today that you would physically get healed. Those who need healing, that you that healing is available for you, that by his stripes that you have been healed, that he carried our infirmities, he became afflicted so that you could be healed, that you could be set free, that you could be delivered. He received the punishment, and he gained the authority to now give to you the healing, the deliverance, the salvation. All right, so let's see how we're going to practically do this. All right. Well, all right, so let's take the bread. This is his body broken for you. We're going to do this in remembrance of him and everything he's done for us. And Father, we just thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes we have been healed. Thank you that you've been pierced for us, that you were you took affliction for us. And Lord, I just pray right now that every single child of yours here right now, as they partake of the body, that, Lord, that your healing power would fill them. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Right, and this is his blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to do this in remembrance of him. So, Father God, we just thank you so much for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your blood that it washes us, that all of our sins have been removed because of your, your blood, Lord. And it's the blood of a new covenant that now we can be called sons and daughters of the King. Lord, we're going to do this in remembrance of you. Thank you, Lord.